In this week's episode, we'll be looking through some uh, rookie testing performances, finding out who finished where in both the championships, and of course, a general review of the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix for the last time this season. Let's do it. Hello and welcome to another episode of Back of the Grid. I'm your host this week, Tom, and I am joined just by Chris for this one. Hello. Yeah, Stuart's some computer gremlins, unfortunately, so isn't going to be able to be here, but um, I'm sure we we can get through plenty to keep everyone going for this final <laughs> roundup of the season. Um, overall, to be fair, an okay Abu Dhabi race. Like I feel we sometimes get mixed events here. Um, yeah. But a decent enough race, I think. Um, probably made more interesting by the tactical battle going on between Ferrari and Mercedes for the Constructors' Championship and all the elements in that. I don't know if that's worth a, a good place to start. but Yeah, it definitely needed that element, I think, didn't it? Um, mm. Yeah, I mean, it obviously, that battle went right down to the wire. I think it was three points between Mercedes and Ferrari in the end. Um yeah, I mean, everything in the last part of the season has looked like Ferrari were going to get over the line, but just didn't work out for them, did it? Um, despite no. Leclerc's best efforts. Um, I mean, that whole thing at the end with Leclerc asking for the gaps, letting Perez by, and trying to manage the gap and Holland <laughs> Russell, like, it was really smart stuff from Leclerc. Um, once yeah. again, Ferrari drivers strategizing from inside the car. Um, <laughs> They were kind of always fighting a losing battle with signs being so far down, though, weren't they? Yeah, I, it was always going to be difficult for them. And even when he was in the points towards the end, he was still ultimately going to have to pit, wasn't he? Um, he was on very old hard tyres even at that point. Yeah. And there were just too many laps left for him to be able to... If, if he'd not pitted, he'd have been overtaken by everybody behind him, meaning he, he did yeah. not finish in the points anyway. So... Bit of a shame. It was it was looking like an okay recovery drive at one point, but that Ferrari on its tyres, it just it could it couldn't outdo anyone in in terms of strategy, could it? Because of the way it performs on its tyres in the end. Yeah. Plus they did. They went from hard started on hards, went to another set of hards, and then yeah, true. I say they just kind of stayed out there waiting for a safety car that yeah. I think it's never going to come. Like I think the safety car. Um, like probability at this track is way under 50% of races from what I saw pre-race. So it was kind of, I think it was there, Jolene Palmer on the commentary said Ferrari are on plan alpha look at this point. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. To be fair, I'd, I'd forgot that they'd gone hard, hard as well. Yeah. It's a fair point. Yeah. Like they were, they were doomed to have to stop even for that as well. Like regards to the age of the tires. So yeah, mm-hmm. just uh, unfortunate really, but I mean, um, Leclerc did pretty much as much as he could to try and keep yeah. in that fight, I think. I did. I have seen some people saying, well, why didn't Leclerc try and <clears throat> slow down and back up Russell outside of um, like the five seconds of Perez? But to do that, Leclerc would have needed to back Russell more than five seconds behind Perez, but stay within five seconds himself to not lose the place, which is just... Yeah. That's never going to happen. <clears throat> like, 
that's that's a step too far, I think, of asking him to uh, engineer that. Yeah, um, it's a little, little much. Yeah, I mean, it was a great drive from Leclerc. Um, he did, I think, as much as he could, really. Um, and Russell as well, to be fair, to, to get on the podium from where he started was a solid yeah. drive as well. Um, yeah, I mean, they were both, both teams were kind of like fighting the fight with one driver. Hamilton at least climbed his way up into the points, but he didn't make a whole lot of progress from 11th on the grid. Um, he had that clash with Gasly as well that broke his front wing. That sort of blamed each other. What did you make of that? It was a really weird one. I mean, he... Yes, Gasly locked up in front of him, but it was like Hamilton just made an assumption that he was going to not take the corner because of locking up. Like, yeah. he, he'd already made an assumption that Gasly was going to back out of it and decided to go for the apex. It was, it just felt clumsy. Like, it felt yeah. like he just misinterpreted what was going on and felt clumsy. It felt very un Hamilton like, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, and then, yeah, as we said, Signs was never real. I mean, Signs had that massive crash in FP2, which was kind of yeah. a terrible start to his weekend. Not his fault, I don't think. Um, I think it was just one of those combinations of hitting some dirty air. There was that bump. Which, did you see they grinded that bump away overnight as well? I didn't. <laughs> That's impressive I saw a lot in of the media. A lot of media were saying they'd been kind of kicked out of the track and told they couldn't do any uh, filming or reporting. And everyone turned up in the morning and there was just like a massive mark on the ground where they'd been grinding away at the track surface overnight. Fair. Um, <laughs> got to say on signs as well before we move on that he actually retired from the race. And yeah. I didn't realise this until I went to look at the results this morning. And I thought I'd gone mad. I had no recollection of it. And I've asked around a bunch of people and no one seems to have any recollection of them just really quietly retiring signs on the penultimate lap of the race. I'm not the person to ask about that because I'm sat here on a Racing 30 review. Let's put it that way. Because <laughs> I've been in a Welsh cabin all weekend. So <laughs> I saw none of this live. But um, I know, I mean... They made it fairly clear when he pitted, when he eventually yeah. decided to bail to pit. But yeah, you're right. I don't think I ever noticed anything of him. him. Yeah, it was kind of out of focus after that. There was. I'm yeah, trying really to think weird. what there was. There was something. There was something unfolding towards the end, but they were too concerned with showing Perez finishing second. Um, there was so much going on in those closing laps. Hamilton and Yuki Tsunoda, thanks, Sarah, in chat. Yeah, yes, it was, was that, it was that well. battle because Hamilton had just gone deep into turn nine and, and sort of kind of had a snap of oversteer from trying to send it, essentially. And I wanted yeah. to see how that ended because I was like, Hamilton's like lost the car a bit. He's had to catch the car. Like, what's this done for Yuki? Like, that was, that was really important. <laughs> and then just like, yeah, but let's look at Perez cross the line for second. Even though we knew it was happening, like eh, of sorry, course, yeah. Le- Leclerc <laughs> crossing the line for second. Um, yeah, but yeah, just <clears throat> weird. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Ferrari said that they don't think there was a version of strategy that could have got them that second place in the end. I'm not sure I necessarily agree with that, although 
to be honest, Ferrari didn't lose second in the championship at this race, did they? Like, if you no. go back through the season, there's lots and lots of times where they have not performed where they should have done. Um, yeah. Which I'm sure we'll get into come uh, season review podcasts over the coming weeks. But um, <clears throat> yeah, it should I never think, have been this close in the first place, should it? Yeah, I think overall, Ferrari are probably lucky that McLaren had such a bad start and Aston Martin faded away after the summer. I think yeah. they're lucky to have held on to third in that regard because they've they've gone from being a contender to being just there because nobody else quite caught them up consistently enough. And the closest yeah. people to that, I think, were McLaren. Mercedes were probably there by the end, I think, but I don't think Mercedes still fully understand the car. Um, so to have them beat them is probably not a good sign for next year Uh, and like I say McLaren where they are now is not a good sign for our next year and if Aston have been doing what they're essentially claiming which is downing tools on development for this season to focus more on what's going to be coming next season and to be fair to Aston as well we, we saw a little bit of a Upturn in form over the last few Grand Prix weekends, haven't we? Like they've been yeah. back back in amongst it in the points and stuff and okay qualifying performances. So there's clearly still something there that they've that they're building on. Um so yeah, I, I just think overall that's not a good look for Ferrari. But no. like you say, it's probably more of a a season review to yeah. dig into that. <laughs> uh We'll go back and talk about Max. Um, picked up his 19th win of the season. A scarcely believable 19th win of the season. Yeah. Um, he had to defend pretty hard on that first lap from Leclerc. I thought his defensive driving on that opening lap was so good. Like, it was, especially going into the chicane at the back of the back straight, he did a similar thing that, to what we saw in Vegas where... He looks like he's beating on the brakes and he just kind of gets off the brakes to pull alongside into the corner just enough that he still makes a call. Like it was yeah, really solid defensive driving. Um, but yeah, after that, he just kind of cruised away, didn't he? Um, yeah, in- I mean, the, the, the defense with Leclerc early, I, I thought Leclerc might be able to give him a bit of a run, but I think he was just... Un- uncharacteristically a little bit slow off the mark initially and it gave Leclerc a bit of a jump on him and a very solid defence but then after that like you say he was kind of just back to routine after that wasn't he yeah. Um, so yeah um, I-, I was really I was really impressed with that defensive driving to be fair I couldn't at first I couldn't work out if it was Leclerc had not properly committed to it or if it was just very staunch defending but I think it was the latter I think it was more Staunch defending. Um, I think, and and very unlike Max giving the drive on the outside enough room to also make the corner. Yeah, <laughs> if anything, I think Leclerc could maybe have been a little bit more aggressive. Yeah, especially in the chicane in the middle of the two back straights. But um, yeah, it was good clean racing, which is always nice to see. Exactly. Um, the records keep stacking up. Um, Red Bull have now taken the record for percentage of races won in a season um they've won 21 of the 22 races this season which percentage wise beats mclaren getting 15 of 16 in 1988 which is ludicrous 
Max also became the first driver to lead a thousand laps in a season, which (laughs) they've actually said after the race is a record they were very aware of and they actually plan their race strategy around getting that record like if you heard them during the race talking about um mission a and mission b yeah and they basically afterwards mission a was work the strategy to spend as much time uh at the front of the field to break that record as possible and like when you're basing your race strategy around breaking meaningless records like (laughs) you know just you're ludicrously dominant I think the the thing with that though as well is like it just shows the competitiveness and the the kind of winning desire within teams like that to say that they'd wrapped up both the constructors and the drivers multiple races ago to still find something to aim for to to yeah. to still find something to compete for in that regard is like I think you've got to hold it to the whole team's kind of commitment to to achieving something like that, like because that, like you say, it's not just a that's not just a Max and a dominant car thing. There's there's a lot of elements in play there in terms of like you say the the strategy of when you pay as to where you come out and and so on and so forth to to actually achieve something like that. Yeah. You're always achieving, aiming for something even higher. I saw an yeah. interview recently with, um, I think his name's Callum, one of the uh, Red Bull pit crew guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and the pe- person interviewed him asked him about the fact that McLaren have now taken their record for the fastest ever pit stop. And you could tell from his answer that it really, really bothers everyone at Red Bull that <laughs> they've now lost that record and they are desperate to get it back. Like, Doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Um, other side of the Red Bull garage, Perez, obviously second on the road, dropped down to fourth with that five-second penalty, which he picked up for the contact when he was overtaking Norris. Um, Norris seemed really surprised. Norris was like, I was literally trying to let the guy through and he still managed to crash into me. Um, it was pretty clumsy, wasn't it? Like, Yeah, so like this is kind of, I would say, the opposite of what we saw in Vegas with Russell. Like, Russell effectively turned into someone by not realising they were there. And Perez was given a gap and managed to essentially like understeer into Russell's, uh, sorry, Russell's, Lando's racing line. Like, yeah. Lando had intentionally taken a much wider line to give him the space. And yeah, Perez just kind of like straight line the corner almost. <laughs> like, it just it felt unnecessary as well because, like you said, Norris was essentially giving him the room to make the pass. Like he'd gone to a point where he's like, "There's there's no point in fighting this move. Yeah. I'm gonna let it happen." And Perez still manages to like clatter into the side of him. Like, yeah, pretty clumsy. Yeah. Um, a deserved penalty, I think. Yeah, I, I've got no arguments there. Uh, yeah. uh, watching it back, I was livid. I was absolutely livid because <laughs> on commentary they were they were initially trying to blame Norris and then say that they thought the penalty was unjust. I, I was like, "What? What are they watching? Like, you just have to watch like how straight line, like I said, Perez took the yeah. corner to know that there's a big difference between like <laughs> like you 
comparing it to the Vegas thing and this one, like there's a big difference to how the corner's been taken and who's at fault where. So, but yeah, like like we said, I think thing is about right. Um, luckily, didn't do enough damage to either of them to like seriously affect them yeah, later on. Yeah, which is kind of wheel to wheel, like wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking of Norris and McLaren, they had a fine race, I guess. Um, yeah, it was okay. Third and fifth in qualifying. Um, I mean, Norris looked like he had front row pace potentially, but he made that mistake in his final run, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, his qualifying's been a little iffy this season, hasn't it? He's been making a few qualifying mistakes. Yeah, I think I want to say it comes down to finding where the limit of that iteration of the car is. I yeah. think a lot of it is just being it's like it's markedly better than where they started the season, obviously. Yeah. But I think it's maybe still not quite where he wants it. And I would say that it's more a case of in those really like fractions of a second count kind of scenarios, he's trying to push it just that bit too much and he's just pushing it a little bit beyond. Because they've all been very similar kind of incidents if you think about it in qualifying from what I remember they've all been pushing just a little too hard on exits eating a little bit too much curb and then essentially either track limits violation because of how far across the curb you've gone or losing the car because it's upsetting the balance of it being out on the curbs and I feel like out of the three or four incidents like that that I can remember these had all since the car came good and he was in this kind of position I feel like he's always been that. So, mm. yeah, part of me just thinks that, like, he's just trying to eke that bit too much out of it, essentially, that's just not there. Um, but I think if they keep working on the car, it'll come good and you'll see less of that because he'll be able to do what he's trying to do successfully. Yeah. Uh, I think that's the that's the crux of it, I guess. That yeah, I think so. Once, once the car's fully there next season, touch wood, <laughs> then we'll see less of that. Um, I think fifth and sixth is probably about as good as McLaren could manage. Um, they didn't yeah. really have the pace to beat Perez or Russell uh, that no. day. Um, Norris actually lost the place to Russell with that slow pit stop, which was a uncharacteristically bad one. Yeah, shame it was like that he... five and a half seconds, I think that yeah, one, wasn't that. it? Yeah. Shame that – I think Russell would have got him anyway, but it was a shame that they ended up swapping like that rather than getting to see an actual on-track fight. But there we go. Yeah. Um, next up, Alonso. So Alonso, <laughs> he finished seventh, which um, actually gave him uh, fourth place overall in the Drivers' Championship. He was pretty close with um, both the Ferrari guys and come who else was in the mix. There was there was a few that could swap places. Um, oh, Norris as well. So Alonso, yeah. Alonso and Leclerc finished on the same points, but Alonso. Mm. Took his on count back Science for most. was in it as well at one bit, I think. But obviously, yes, last, I don't so know if he was Norris still in was, it by Abu Dhabi. Yeah, Norris was one point behind the two of them, and then Signs was another five points behind. Um, Alonso reckoned it was his second best season ever. Alonso says 2012 was his best ever season. <clears> this was his second best. Um, this is actually his best championship position since 2013 as well, which is crazy. Um. He did get investigated for, I think the official word was erratic driving when he sort of 
try to play a bit of silly DRS games, breaking early for the hairpin, and Hamilton yeah. nearly ran into him. Didn't get penalised, but that was a bit. That was pretty naughty. I think. Like, I think. I think they need to put something in place around this because we've seen it before between um, Max and Lewis when it was it was back in Jeddah, wasn't it in twenty twenty one? And then to see it again now, like I'm I'm all for strategically like maybe not making a pass when you could in order to get that DRS in the second zone and and make sure of it so that the, mm-hmm. you know making the overtaking turn A doesn't compromise you in turn B. I'm all for that kind of strategy, but yeah, unexpected. When we're in a series where there are no brake lights and it's not obvious what you're about to do, I think, I mean, even in a series with brake lights, to be fair, it's yes. not really on, is it? Just brake checking someone is effectively. Um, so yeah, I think they probably need to look at putting something in place and because it was, it was obvious what he'd done. Like you just had to, it was obvious in real time, but it was even more blatant when you saw the onboard. So I don't even necessarily have a problem with it if you're trying to do that when you're side by side with someone or the other person yeah. is close yeah, to you and has different. moved out. Like that's much different. But when it's, there was a good couple of car lengths between them at least. And like I saw some of the commentators are trying to be like, oh, well, he moved off the racing line, but like, he didn't really for me. Like, no, I'm yeah, not... bit naughty. That that could have could have caused a big old accident. Yeah, like essentially, the if you're gonna play games like that effectively, you need to be like you say side by side racing. Like it needs to be be marginally later on the throttle coming out of the corner before or something, so that you know that you that like half a car length behind the person to get the trigger, um, or something to that effect, but. Yeah, I'm just not a fan of intentionally slowing down where you shouldn't be slowing no. down with a car right behind you up your gearbox. No, not the speeds they're operating at as well. Yeah. Um, and then the last kind of big thing of interest, I guess, was the fight for the bottom four places, um, which, as we expected, didn't actually change in the end. So it did finish um, William 7th, then Alpha Terry, then Alpha Romeo, then Haas. Um, Alpha Terry made a pretty good go- well, Yuki Sonoda made a pretty good go of uh, of changing yeah. that. I mean, what a weekend Sonoda had. Um, Led some laps, well, a lap at least. <clears throat> it's about five laps, I think. Was it? Was um, it more than that? Yeah. Yeah, which I think was quite nice, given that it was um, Franz Tost's last yeah racing charge that he got to watch his car leading for a bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, definitely Sonoda's best race of the season. I mean, you could make an argument of that being Sonoda's best race, full stop. He was so good all weekend. Um, put his sixth on the grid, um, dropped two places in the race. Um, as you say, led for a few laps. Um, did close the gap to Williams. It was uh, three points in the end they needed. Um, yeah. But again, kind of like Ferrari, they were sort of fighting this with one car because Ricardo. I mean, what he finished eleventh in the end, so he's just outside the points. But yeah, not a great was weekend for Daniel. Sonoda's pace all weekend. He was no. He went out in Q two, and he was a couple of tenths off Sonoda, um, which was a shame. Uh, yeah, I just can't believe how good Sonoda was that whole race. Like he was, <clears throat> I kept waiting for him to kind of 
start to fade and fall back through the field. It just didn't happen. He was so on it. Yeah, really impressive. Yeah. Um, which actually leads us quite nicely, I suppose, into us picking a driver of the day. Wow, well, with that point already. <laughs> I mean... There was not a lot, whole lot else to talk about. I mean, there's, there's all the other teams at the back, but it was all a bit also around and not a whole lot else to talk about. So, I, I mean, from, from when I watched it, I was quite tempted to go down the lines of Yuki Tsunoda. I don't know who won the official one. It was um, Yuki. It was Yuki. I yeah. mean, I think I'm I'm with the general popular vote on that one. Um, I, I mean, there, I were, too. there were other good drives, but things like it's not necessarily always about like the position specifically you finish in with these. For me, it's about the the performance overall. It's about like the whole package and I think Yuki showed what he's been working towards for a long time now like you know the last couple of years he's he's had his ups he's had his downs but these last few races I feel like he's again started to show like some some decent consistency at least and as the car's got a little bit better he's been able to pull those points finishes out and like I say for for where that car was compared to where it is now to get a drive like that out of it i think is yeah really really good really strong and yeah it, i think it puts red bull and alpha tower however they'll be known next year to um in a difficult spot like we said for a while that we think if perez ties up second and holds on to that he'll stay at red bull for next season which that probably looks like that's the case but depending on what they decide to do in the future there, I think Yuki Tsunoda is about to make it very tough and could yeah. maybe even be the second driver to um, cause Daniel Ricciardo to lose a seat, essentially. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was worried when Ricciardo <clears throat> came back that Tsunoda's head was going to go a bit and like the pressure of a big name like Ricciardo being there would really hurt him. And it's been the opposite. Like, yeah, he's, Back half of the season, he's really on top of it and I mean, I don't have the stats necessarily in front of me, but I think generally in the races Ricardo and Snowder have both done, I think Snowder's probably been the better driver across that sort of small sample set. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I feel like he's been more consistent at least. Um, mm-hmm. If you look, at, if you look at it in that regard, uh, like I was saying before, I think. I'm, I mean, I'm literally just trying to check now and see how. <laughs> See how obvious it is between the two. So, like, when you look at... If you look at UK, you've got, for these last few races, since America, he's got an 8th, a 12th, a 9th, an 18th, but that was a DNF, technically, I think, wasn't it, in Vegas? Was it, reti- it was a retirement, I think? No, they just they were just both terrible. Just off That's the pace. The car was super slow um, there, yeah. And then an 8th this weekend. Uh, comparing that to Ricardo, who's got a... 15th, a 7th, a 13th, a 14th, and 11th. So There we go, then. Like, for the most part, behind Yuki and every single one of those, Mexico being the exception, really. And, I mean, he was ahead of him in Vegas, but neither of them scored points, so... Yeah. It's a bit redundant at that point. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I think I think it gives it gives them a difficult decision for going forward, like yeah. you're saying. I think... Um, maybe makes people like reopen that question of can Ricardo do what he used to be able to anymore when he mm. was at Red Bull 
Yeah, does. it's not as cut and dry as a lot of people would have expected for sure. Yeah. That, um, I guess that leaves us with Sonoda's driver of the day. What about uh, moves of the day? Move, moves. Um, one thing I really enjoyed is the way Max transitioned from doing donuts into perfectly parking in front of the number yeah. one board. Oh. It was so smooth. Yeah. <laughs> Even his donuts are like very <laughs> just perfect and methodical. Like <laughs> The guy's a robot. Yeah. That was um, good. I liked when Alonso got past signs, um, not so much for the move itself, but because Alonso knew he had a very slow car in a straight line, as he said out loud yeah. a couple of times. So he sort of made an opportunistic dive into the hairpin before he got onto the straight, which was not necessarily a spectacular move, but it was a smart bit of driving to make the move in a place signs wasn't necessarily expecting it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, he'd probably be one of the only people, if not the only person, to make a move way around there, right? As far as I remember, yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, one of the ones that went down quite well at the time was Hamilton. Again, being one of the only people that managed to make it stick around the outside of nine. Um, Yes. A few people tried to hang it out there, but couldn't quite do it. But he managed to get the good run in order to be able to carry it all the way around. So that, yeah. that was probably up there as well, I think. Yeah, that was a really good one. Um, that's the one I had in mind, the Hamilton around Sainz one. Um, just because around the outside of that big long turn, nine just is very cool. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's a difficult move to... It, it doesn't necessarily... It's one of those where it doesn't necessarily look all that glamorous because it's just two cars going side by side around a corner. But when you think about what's involved... Like when you know racing and you think about what's involved in going round the outside like yeah. that in a corner like that, gives you a whole new perspective and a whole new appreciation for it. So, yeah, I think and especially I think that a corner like a corner like that, like if you're trying to rotate around the outside, it means the person defending has defended as best as they possibly can. They've yeah. got the best line to defend, and you've still made the move stick. So, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. definitely happy with that one. Let's go with that one then. And then last one for this season. Honestly, what the f- are we doing here? So did your race in 30 minutes include the weird bit towards the end when every team was suddenly getting investigated for pit lane infringements? No, but I have heard about it. It was to do with to do with eyewear, wasn't it? And safety yeah. wear. Like, everyone, yeah. All of a sudden we started getting all of these more and more drivers getting investigated for pit lane infringements and everyone was like losing their minds because it's like oh god are we gonna have to wait for like half an hour for um all these investigations to be done to even know who's finished wearing the championship <laughs> no it turns out that i i don't know if it's because it was hot there or because it was at night or what but it seems like loads of pit crew have been like having their visors up and not putting goggles on or something like that so in the end, basically, all the teams just got a slap on the wrist um, for not doing safety stuff properly. Um, but he was all a bit silly. Um, another one you probably missed, Tom, and this is my favourite of the week. I mean, I'm reading it. I didn't see it, and I'm frantically now Googling to see if there's a screenshot of it somewhere because I want to see it. Oh, um, there's one in Discord somewhere, I'm sure. Um, it's, it's fine. I've found, I found it thanks to Reddit. <laughs> end of the end of the race, championship standards come up, moved on to the last page. 
And there at the bottom of the list is everyone's favourite Estonian race driver, Paul de Vries, uh, driving for Trident, just chilling out at the bottom of the F1 standing. How? I just don't understand how. So, well, the, the, the Paul and the Estonian flag came from Paul Aaron, who is a Trident driver in F2. Yeah. But somehow he got mashed together with Nick de Vries and then dropped to the bottom of the stand. That's what I mean. Like I just don't get how you end up in the F one championship yeah. standings graphic with with that. Like like every the, field has been filled in from an F two driver except, except the, surname. the surname. Yeah. It's so weird. Odd. But yeah, I just laughed and laughed and laughed when I saw that. And I can't think of anything better for this award unless you had anything else in what, mind. What was the logo? Was it was the cuz I the screenshot I found has only got unfortunately his name and the flag. Um but... it did have the Alpha Terry logo, but it's okay. a trident next to it. Maybe maybe a sneak peek of what next season's car might be called. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> trident are coming up to F1. Um yeah, I mean in the nature of trying to find weird and silly things for this award i think i think that has it for me it's so good yeah um oh um discord are asking for an honorable mention as well for um perez basically getting a telling off from the stewards for uh saying mean things about them on the radio oh what they told him off for for running his mouth did they basically yeah he was having a moan about the stewarding decisions because of the penalty and he basically he got summoned and they were just like stop it don't do that. Be nice. I mean, they're not wrong. <laughs> I mean, no. All very silly. Yeah. Cool. Right. I mean, we we kind of mentioned Paul Aaron there, but there were there were actually, you know, some rookies on the grid during FP one. Half that, of the grid. Yeah. I mean, they, they shouldn't have made it into the championship standings, but they're at least worth <laughs> talking about. So, do you want to should we run through like kind of what happened? Yeah. To FP1? I mean, right up front, the fact that they all kept it clean, I had to have 10 rookies yeah, yeah. in a practice session, and no one had any really massive issues. Um, yeah. It was cool to see so many like young driver names out there. Um, I mean, the real standout was Drogovic. Um, obviously yeah. he's done a few practice sessions, Raston Martin, but he was second fastest overall and he was over two tenths ahead of Stroll. Um, I know times in practice aren't everything, but still that's a solid thing to, you know, for a driver in his position, F2 champion, no seat. It kind of keeps him in the shop window, I suppose. Yeah. Um, likewise for Schwartzman, he did a really good job. He was only just off, uh, Signs his time in the other Ferrari. Um, and then there was like a bunch of F2 people. Like you had Vesti, Doom, Poor Chair, and a few others who basically had done an F2 session in the morning, got in F1 cars, and then pretty much had to get out of the F1 cars and sprint to the other paddock to go and do qualifying for F2. <laughs> like the fact they were able to handle that was damn impressive. Um, we're going to be seeing a lot of them this week, I think, because they will have the uh, post-season test yeah. in Abu Dhabi, which is, I want to say that starts tomorrow, Wednesday, possibly, I think. Yeah, it's um, usually midweek. And I think a lot of the same the drivers race. will be doing that. Yeah. Um, um, scary moment for doing, actually, wasn't it, during FP1? Uh, yeah. With Logan Sargent. Yeah, when he came out of the penultimate corner, like, full pelt, mm. and Sargent was just sat on the racing line. Yeah. yeah. Which I think Look, was a failure on the team's part for not telling him it was coming. Um, it was... Yeah, it 
It almost looked like Sergeant was wanting to pit in though, but was doing it from way out on the curb. Like it was like sort of drifting across towards the the pit entry, and then Dewan's had to obviously swerve that way to to avoid him. Like it was it was a close yeah. call to be honest. It was a close call, yeah. yeah. Um, while we're talking about F two drivers, we should mention that. Uh, after another weirdly long gap before the last race, as they always do in the <laughs> F2 calendar. Always, yeah. We finally had the last couple of rounds, um, and Terrible Chair took the title by 11 points in the end um, in what is his third season in F2. Um, I mean, Vesti, I think he was 25 points behind going into the weekend, so it was a big ask, and he he did a pretty decent job of it. Like He had two really solid races, um, to massively cut yeah. the lead, but uh, yeah, not enough in the end. Um, poor Chair now, of course, is the second F2 champion in a row with no F1 seat to step into. Um, he's a Sauber junior, so they're going to be keeping on as their reserve driver. There's talk of him maybe going to do Super Formula for a year. Um, <clears throat> I still suspect he might replace Joe for 2024. Five? God. Mm. Yeah, 2025. Um, it's weird to think that 2024 is imminent. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's been a... I mean, poor chair in many ways deserves the title. He's a very quick driver. But at the same time, I think Vesti's had a lot of bad luck. Um, he also binned it on the uh, outlap before he even got to the race, on the races in Spa, which obviously really hurt yeah. his chances. Um I think either of them would be worthy champions. Um, Vesti is a Mercedes junior, and there has been talk about them trying to get him in that second Williams seat um, that still hasn't been confirmed for Sargent. Um, I mean, Sargent's race engineer did say to him something along the lines of looking forward to next year on the <laughs> cooldown lap, which might have given the game away a little bit. But um, Well, there was the... There was a- Social, uh, not social media, a, a website post, like a blog post the other week as oh, well, yeah. saying something about, um, I can't remember exactly how it was worded, but it was worded in a very specific way that suggested he's got a deal for next season. It and was then, something to do with like, looking forward to his home race next year or something, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> and we we literally were sat here with that article open with Discord pre-show one, one weekend, uh, well, one Monday evening, and I believe your exact words were, that will be changed by the morning. The the content of that will be changed by the morning. <laughs> yes. And lo and behold, lo and it behold, was. it was changed. <laughs> I, I, I remember it distinctly for that reason. Um, but yeah, I think, like, it, it's kind of his at the minute, isn't it? And they're giving him the opportunity to, have a second crack at it, I guess, and and prove that he's learned from this season. But I don't think he'd get much more than that if he doesn't perform next season. Um, yeah, like I don't think the options to replace him are <clears throat> guaranteed to be that much it, different. You exactly, know, that's the problem, isn't it? Do you replace someone with one season of F1 under his belt with like another rookie? Like, yeah, I know there's been talk about Liam Lawson potentially as well but like in the previous season of f2 when they were all together like lawson only just beat sergeant um vesti finished a good few places below sergeant so if you're measuring it on that like is it going to be an improvement um 
yeah, my, I, I think they're going to stick with him at this point for sure. Yeah, I think as well that since that we originally were supposed to be talking about F2, I think we need to start looking, or the FIA specifically need to start looking at this rule with the champion non-return clause because we're well, not in a... Hold that, hold that thought because we've got an inbox oh. question about it. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll wait then. <laughs> I'll wait. <laughs> shall, I tell, shall I do predictions instead of that then? Yes, let's do that. <laughs> okay, so... An okay weekend for you, I guess, with the double Verstappen. I'll take but it. Not much more. Um, it sealed you as the champion of the three of us, though, which I'm, I'm guessing that's why you'll take it. Yeah, first time. <laughs> I think it's the first time I've ever beaten both of you, which I'm. It, it will be. Yeah, quietly, it's been quite pleased about me or Stu out of the three of us. Um, but more importantly, uh, out of the the listeners and the the tippy top of the table, uh, three people scored three points this week, which was the highest score. There was Hollywoodward, Michael McGovern, and Lydia Morgan. So congrats to you three. Um, I don't think anybody got Hamilton's finishing position right from when I was looking earlier. So no, I don't think so. Slightly, slightly out of characteristic, I guess, for this part of the season, but. Yeah, just odd that nobody went for that ninth, like a, a lower points finish. But there you go. In terms of the overall standings, though, we have something <laughs> quite unprecedented, which we were not expecting. So effortlessly went into this race with what I believe was a two-point lead on 45.5 points. Currently now, he still sits at the top of the table with 45.5 points after getting a big old nothing burger. But Gordon Barham has scored two points this week, causing him to tie on 45.5 points, which in itself is at least not... Now we score as many points as we do and have as many races as we do is not something we expected. But no. I, did, I did a little bit of a count back to see, like, in true F1 style, who would, like, take the title. Um, neither of them had any five pointers or four and a halves. They both had one four point weekend, uh, and both had one three and a half point weekend. But Lee had just edged it out with, I think it was five three point weekends compared to Gordon's four three point weekends. So, technically speaking, if we were doing a count back, effortlessly would have still been champion. But we think that because it went down to the wire and it is just an anomaly in itself that we've actually had a season where two people have tied we're going to consider you joint champions and arrange something for both of you so we'll, we'll obviously fair. get in touch through your emails that are on the site or or if it's easier you can reach out to us first um but yeah congratulations to you both it's been a long old season and you've done well um Highest point scoring season overall, I think. We, me and Chris were looking back through it uh, before the episode, and we've got champions that barely scored half of that in previous seasons. <laughs> so yeah, it's um, it's an accomplishment in itself to be scoring. I mean, that scoring. averages out to roughly two points a race, doesn't it? <clears throat> Which is yeah, a l- little bit more than just a little bit more than pretty solid going. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, congrats uh, both. So yeah, well done to you both. Um, I mean, staying with Effortless Lee here, um, grid rival, our champion this season, and he's been this way for a while because he's been leading it for a while, but it is Effortless Lee with 22,068 points. Uh, so he has well Verstappen done in that. grid rival this year. He has definitely Verstappen grid rival this year. Uh, and then in terms of the official F1 
fantasy league. Um, McCrappen, who took the lead literally last week, I think it was for the first time, finished mm. this season, uh, this race to keep that top place with six thousand five hundred thirty-two points. So, congratulations again to Lee and to you, McCrappen, for your F1 fantasy win. Um, if you want to see where you finished or or have a look just through the results in general, uh, head to backgrid.com. There's obviously the all the uh, predictions league stuff there. There's also all the stuff for links to each fantasy league, um, and you can always like pre-sign up and stuff for next season if you want to. Um, so yeah, that's that's predictions and fantasy corner done for the season. Congratulations to all of you for getting this far, and particular to our winners. Right, you mentioned we've got some inbox that might. Ask me the question that I wanted to answer. So, should we do Let's that? Do it. <laughs> yeah. Keep it saying now. Stay, stay So, Kilowog says, Hey man, another year, another F2 champion without a seat. What changes would you like to see to make the F2 championship a meaningful enabler to an F1 seat? Could this include performance requirements uh, for the current grid in order to keep their seats? Also, if Nick DeVries had simply taken the Williams seat offered, is he still on the grid ahead of the vastly underperforming Sergeant? Um, we've got another question about Sergeant, so we'll hold off on the second bit. But yeah, okay. F2 champion. <clears throat> yeah, so as I started saying before, <laughs> when we were kind of half talking about it, I think they probably need to consider the rule about champions can't return in f2 um i understand the previous logic behind it of trying to keep talent coming through but the problem is is if you're not giving that talent somewhere to go it's almost like a waste of that talent like mm. we're getting f2 champions that are sitting as just reserve drivers for f1 teams and doing the the rookie sessions because they've never done any legit F1 running or like maybe on the odd eventuality stepping in like what um, Lawson did uh, for a little bit when Ricardo got injured. But generally speaking, they're like just sat wasting away as an F1 reserve driver whilst filling the gaps with Super Formula or something. And that's, that's not like a discredit to Super Formula or whatever, but People compete in F2 to get to F1. Yeah. And what they're going to run into trouble with, I think, is that if the champions aren't getting their seats in F1, like posters advertise and the, <laughs> the championship advertisers, then drivers are going to be less inclined to go there after F3 just, just because. I mean, I'm saying that and I know full well that plenty of drivers will still go to F2 because it's probably the best way to put yourself in the shop window of the F1 teams, admittedly. But you're going to get drivers that like don't want to like outright win the series because they don't want to be stuck without a drive. Yeah. And it just feels odd. And yeah, I mean, Drogovic is probably out of the last couple best place now, but he's... Even then. He's still not quite... I mean, he he might be getting close now, but imagine if he'd had another year in in F two. Like maybe the rule needs to be 
if you once you've won a second title or maybe some something like that, or you get like one additional season to remain that gives you time to because the thing is like we've talked about this before. We we always get influxes where two or three drivers come up one season and come out of the sport, and then suddenly you're kind of left with two or three years where that talent pool's been kind of fed back into, and you get like... I know it sounds disrespectful to the, the drivers that have won the championships, but like you essentially get champions that are nowhere near ready for F1 because yeah. the, ones that, the ones that were close to being ready for F1... I mean, I will always go back to it as the perfect example of this, but the Norris, Russell, Albon year should have had a couple of them probably stay for that one other season. Like, admittedly, they're probably kind of the exceptions to the rule in the sense, but in the sense that Norris was pretty ready as well as Russell being pretty ready for F1. Yeah. Albon maybe would have benefited from that extra year there and not got caught up in all that Red Bull drama and possibly have had a better first stint of his career in F1. But it, when you look at him now, it shows how capable he actually is in F1. But look how long it actually kind of took him. It even took him to the point where yeah. he had to have time away from the sport because Red Bull were essentially dropping him for underperforming to have to come back around to now be kind of respected to the level that he's actually respected at. And I think things like that just go to show that that extra year or maybe two in F2 would have actually probably done him a favour because he'd have come into that Red Bull team and Toro Rosso, as it was then, from a little bit of a different angle, I guess, and maybe even ended up with a different team entirely. And yeah. just So I, I do think something needs to change. Like, I don't profess to be the... <laughs> the solution architect that's got the perfect idea, but I think that that, that is part of the problem, a big part of the problem, is forcing mm -hmm. these drivers out after they win a title. I think I think another part of the problem, it sort of goes back to what you said a little while ago, you sort of talked about drivers being stuck in super formula and then were like, oh, not to discredit them. But I think the problem is the super license point system kind of discredits other series yeah. like that. Like True. the super license points are built to basically say, unless you come through the F2, F3 route, you kind of don't stand a chance. Like it would yeah. be nice if people could go and do things like super formula or what is it? Toyota racing series in New Zealand or indie lights or whatever. And still, you know, earn enough super license points to be worth them being an F1 team's radar. Um, I mean, there are a few suggestions from the Discord that I don't disagree with as well. Um, someone said maybe just have it so you can have three seasons in F2 regardless of whether you're champion so, or not, which is a really interesting I, approach. I was along thinking along the lines of something similar to that as well, which is like three, maybe four, five seasons at the very most because I mean I think we're kind of okay for it at the moment um, but F2 at times has become a series where you've got these like serial journeymen that yeah. pick up a few points finishes through the season um, never do anything outright like they might pick up like the 
the reverse grid win or something because they've had a point good for points finish the day before. Like that kind the odd I'm trying to think of a good example of one like Boynisani. Uh, oh uh, yeah, there there's Who a good example of one. Who is still knocking around at the back like, of the grid. He's I mean, how long has he been in F two now? That's oh, that's that'd be the big question. He has done. He must, he must have done at least five years, Roy Nassani in F two. Yeah, five seasons. There you go. So he's prime example of if this rule was in place, he would now not have a seat next year, which would at least give some F three driver a chance to move up, and then yeah. somebody from. Uh, Formula Regional series to like move up into F3 by proxy. Um, yeah, I mean, he's probably one of the only ones I can think of that's still there. Um, I feel like Deruval has been around a while, maybe he's been knocking three, around a few three or years four now. seasons now. Like, and again, same, same sort of thing. He's you know, he's never set the world alight or anything whilst he's been, yeah, in he's a full F2. So, <laughs> like, nothing makes him sort of. I guess jump out to me. Um, like he's done all right in other regional formulas that he's done at the same time, but it's obviously a much smaller talent pool there. And yeah. when he's in F2, he's a top 10 driver at best every season. Yeah, like he's, I mean, just hovers around the midfield. And when there's equal about, machinery, that, that kind of says as much as it needs to as well, doesn't it? For all of our criticisms of F2, it does, for the most part, at the very least, do a good job of letting the talented people show their talent. Yeah, like that I think doesn't necessarily mean they will be champions because there's a lot of facts at play. But you can generally yeah. see who's the haves and have-nots from watching F2. Yeah. Um, another thing I've seen in the Discord, which I think is a great idea, is all this faffing around with sprint races and they're talking about changing the format next year again and talking about maybe not even having pay points. Let rookies drive the sprint races. If you're so hell-bound to have these sprint races, let rookies have a go in them. Like, give them more seat time. I know that'd be a really hard sell to the teams, but, like, I don't know. Maybe that would help clean up the feeder series a bit as well. Like, if F1 teams have to run rookies in sprint races... One of the big things they're going to be looking at is for drivers who keep it clean and don't bin it. So, you know, that might have a knock-on effect of having less messy accidents in F2 and F3 because that's more what's being looked for. But Yeah, yeah, could work. Definitely a messy system that needs some looking at, I think. I think the, I think the only sort of, I guess, slight problem with going for sprint racers are solely done by rookies is essentially you just at that point kind of extending the f2 weekend with another race is how i would sort of <laughs> in like, a I way mean, yeah. yeah yes yes fair enough there the machinery is a whole of the level and it's it's them jumping in an f1 car to prove their worth there but ultimately the weekends that they're there you're just essentially giving them a three race weekend because yeah. they'll have already done a sprint race and a feature race for F2 at that point. So mm. whether it becomes a bit much, because they don't have to do a qualifying session for that sprint, then do that sprint as well. They'd probably at that point warrant needing some practice time in an F1 uh, seat, like at, at somewhere that circuit. And it just sort of, be, the only, you'd have to do it in like a, a non F2 weekend, I guess, where they're not currently competing 
in F2 at that race, but then that obviously limits the circuits you can do sprint races at. So it's just, I think that's that's why we'd never end up there is because it just had far too much complexity to the the planning of an actual race weekend to get them in them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think limiting how long people can be in that series for would at least help somewhat because I think so as well. I think that in combination with allowing a champion to return as well, and then I mean, if you if you got a three season limit and you turn up in F two and winning your first year, winning your second year, winning your third year, you've a hundred percent put yourself in a serious contention for an F F one drive at some point in the very near future because. You certainly should. You, well, you'd be the first person to have ever gone back to back <laughs> in well, F two because yeah. it can't be done. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and and I think as well, like it may have kind of weeded out some of the drivers that have maybe been F two champions, but then it's not transitioned because if you can return and then compete against majority of the same people again, and suddenly you're in equal machinery, you're finding yourself fifth and sixth for a couple of seasons after a championship, then. It does sort of throw into the balance. Well, what played into that championship year? Because, yeah. like, like you've said that you know, Vesti this season he's had a lot of poor luck, realistically, and mm-hmm. by a lot of counts, maybe should have been this year's uh, winner in terms of the results. Um, but I mean, Porsche is not exactly a shoddy driver, is he? He's a, he's a no, good driver, but but. I would like to see them go toe-to-toe again next season, and we're not going to get that now. Yeah, because exactly. Because Porsche has got to go race somewhere else. Whereas if he was allowed to come back, you'd get to see, like, Dewan, who seems to always be improving. Like, I've kind of... Dewan's one of those drivers that I've watched for quite a few years and sort of kind of seen him come up, and he seems to have just, like, gradually got that bit better and that bit better and that bit better as season's gone on. Like, wasn't setting the world alight or anything earlier but has got more and more consistent i guess as time's gone on yeah and he's you know he's obviously tied to alpine and stuff he's, he's got his links so there's a lot of like potential um overall there so like to see the three of them go at it again next year for a title would be great it's just a shame yeah. we're not gonna get it again <laughs> exactly <laughs> um and also just as a last thought on that a couple more seats on the grid would uh help things significantly as well. 100%. But, uh, that's a whole yeah. other thing. I mean, we've we've talked about the fact that in the past that should there not be a some sort of FIA independent or form independent team mm-hmm. um, that actually guarantees a seat for this, uh, this rookie driver to come up from F2. It's a shame they've already used the name F1 Academy because that would be a great name for a, a sort of backmarker team that gives young drivers I mean, somewhere to go. Why Why not actually just, whether it involves rebranding the F1 Academy or not, but why not actually have an F1 Academy team that's got the champion of each of those series in it? Yeah, I'd love to see it. Because uh, are the F1 Academy the equivalent to F3s, aren't they? I think. F4s, I believe. Yeah. Uh, so probably at some point we need to bring them closer to F2. Whether yeah. that's the plan long term for Academy, I don't know. But I would say that over time that series needs to become somewhere nearer F2 so that mm. winning that title is 
a decent gateway to an F1 seat. Yeah, path down that route. And and I mean, you whether that's the only shot that you get because you'd probably have to give that seat up for the next season's champion, I guess. Um, but that's your, that's your year to impress on the actual F1 grid, isn't it? That's yeah. Or you let them be involved in the sprint races. Maybe not the whole season, but they, they just run the sprint races. I don't know. There's there's lots of things, <laughs> lots more things that could be done. Yeah, definitely. That's for sure. I'm going to read you the question because I feel like we've been on that one a long time. Yes. <laughs> Um, Blaze is sending this one saying, Hey man, does Sergeant deserve a second season when he finished worse than Latifi ever did, being 21st out of 22 drivers that have competed? Uh, notably, the only other driver behind him was replaced mid season for better results in a worse car. What benefit could the team possibly get from a driver that, after 22 races, started an average of 17.6 and ended 15th mostly due to damaged cars behind him? Or DNFs in the 14th and 15th best car on the wait, hang on in the 14th and 15th best car on the grid. Oh yeah, because we're talking overall. Um, yeah. Should should he have produced more, or was his 15th at the end of the race just a byproduct of him being average in everywhere? Um, I do think in this kind of back quarter to a third of the season Sergeant has just about done enough for me to keep that seat I think he's shown enough signs that the speed is there he has been closing the gap to Albon um, in terms of the fact that he's kind of finishing around 15th in what is about the 15th best car out of the 20 which is weird I was saying it but yeah um, I think Again, without getting too far ahead of ourselves and getting into season review territory, I think that's as much a sign of how good a job Albon has done as it is a sign of Sergeant not having a great year. Mm. I think I, I, I think in, when you look at teammate pairings down the grid, I think Sergeant has had one of the tougher jobs on the grid. That's for sure. I'd, I'd agree with that. Um, I think the other big factor in this is who are you going to replace him with that isn't another rookie, essentially, with the limited experience, meaning you just back to square one and you're in the yeah. same situation for at least another 12 months. Now, I mean, you might find yourself in a scenario where you've got a Piastri-type rookie on your hands, um, but again, without getting into the realms of season review territory, I genuinely don't remember as good a rookie season as that, going back to probably Hamilton or someone Hamilton's like that. Hamilton's the last like, one I can remember, yeah, that good. I mean, people have had decent rookie seasons, don't get me wrong. Um, like, I don't know, Leclerc came up and looked good. Verstappen came up and looked good. But, like, Piastri has, I, I'm going to assume, worked with the team to develop the car and as well as Lando, I, I'm, I feel like he must have had at least some input um, to be able to drive it as well as he has. Because if he was just letting Lando do it, then it'd never be, <laughs> it'd never suit him. But I think that combined with the consistency in race finishes and being able to compete and go toe to toe with his more experienced teammate, I think those kind of performances as a rookie don't come by very often, um, and. 
the chances of Williams finding that one rookie that can do that again next season is... I mean, I, I couldn't tell you someone who would be a rookie that I would consider is capable of that, let's put it that way. Um, I think the only way you'd get close is if you somehow convinced someone semi-experienced from IndyCar or something to come across. Or, or m- maybe something similar to the DeFreeze move from Formula E, like a yeah. Jake Jake Dennis or someone like that. Like I'm not saying that there are no options, but unfortunately for Williams, they're not in a position to draw drivers like that from championship winning cars in other series to no. Formula One. No matter how big of a draw having a Formula One drive is, the fact that they know that they're going to be sat in a Williams that's probably going to be struggling to score points for the majority of the season, the way it looks at the minute, is not going to entice anyone to give up a, a really solid seat in another series that they can compete in. I think uh, the only driver that really has something that to offer Williams that no one else, you know, overdo their options right now is probably Mick Schumacher. Like at least yeah, he's got a couple of seasons of F1 experience under his belt. Like that's something that not many other options or possibly no other options have. But even then, mm. like I'm not sure I'm not sure they would gain that much from replacing Sargent at this point in time. Yeah. Do I think Sargent can stay there if he has another season like this one? Absolutely not. But I think we've seen too much of drivers coming in, getting one season, getting turfed out next, you know, flavor of the month replaces them and just rinse and repeat. So I I don't I like to see rookies getting a second chance unless they've been, you know, abysmally bad, which I don't yeah. think Sargent has. Yeah, I think it, it, it's been difficult to say because he's been kind of on his own at the back. Like, I want to say he's stayed out of trouble, but he's kind of been Large, at his, on his own at the back, so it's easier to stay out of trouble when you're in that scenario. Um, I think, given the options Williams have got, keeping him for one more season's, it's like the best of two bad scenarios, I guess. Like having a driver that's not particularly shown much this season or having a complete unknown coming in next year that and, and like I say without drawing someone a recognized talent from another series i don't think you're going to get anything better than him at the minute unfortunately um, and yeah. the, and the other drivers that could are already kind of tied up with other teams like Drogovic might have a better season again it's still a bit of an unknown but he's tied up with Aston Martin for example, like, and there's no, I, I doubt they'd lend, <laughs> they'd lend him to Williams. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, yeah. Let's have a quick look at Sergeant's yeah. results. Like, I think he's only had one retirement from a race that was him having a crash, basically, maybe two. So it's not like he's going around smashing cars left, right, and centre. I mean, which he, I feel like. He was crashy in the earlier part of the season, but it was generally in practice or qualifying, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Like, he was still finishing races. So yeah, I, I feel like, like he has been, been crashy, but not in race scenarios. So that's probably yeah. where that, I guess, what helps that start a little bit. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, you only have to... I'm not even going to do the... I'm not even going to do, like, the math on it, but when I look at these average finishing positions... 
I can pretty much tell you for the most part he's last on the road because there's a lot of 16s, <laughs> yeah, a exactly. lot of 17s, a lot of like 20ths and 18s, stuff like that. Like for the most part, he's last on the road, bless him. <laughs> but it's not, yeah, I think it's the problem is, is there's been there's also been some other very bad cars and he's not been able to take advantage of them like Alexander Albon has. Hopefully, yeah. with a second season, there's more opportunity for that for him. Um, but yeah, I just don't see what you're going to get that's better, unfortunately, Blaze. I know you really want him gone, Blaze. I know you do. <laughs> You've been banging this drum all season in Discord. <laughs> I, know, I know you want him gone, but I just don't think it's going to happen until next season. Sorry. <laughs> and that that is it. That's just a brief inbox to end the season. Um, we will be back. Um, I don't know exactly what the schedule is because we've not even discussed it yet. Normally, no. when it comes to this point of the season, what we tend to do is take ourselves a nice little week off uh, after what has been one of the longer seasons we will have ever done. Yeah. Um, and then come back in probably a couple of weeks' time from now, um, like early December, to do a bit of a season review across different drivers, different teams. Um, and then... I'm hoping Chris is planning on doing our quiz because I'm saying it now. Well, so I've basically committed. Yeah, we'll to have it. another quiz. We always <laughs> like the end of year quiz. Um, so, so there's that. We got a couple of other interesting well. ideas cooking up for things to um, fill in the uh, the gap. So yeah, there'll still be stuff around, yeah. and I'm sure it'll be pre-season testing time before we even know it anyway, because it always comes around so quickly. Exactly. So don't expect anything next week, but. In a couple of weeks, we'll be back doing a bit of an overall season review once things have settled down. Um, if you want to kind of keep in the loop of everything else that's going on and what we're actually planning on doing and, and so on and so forth, follow us on the social media sites. We're on Facebook. We're on X, formerly known as Twitter, as the internet <laughs> likes to say. Uh, we're even on Instagram and threads. You can contact us there if, if you want to. We don't post as much on those, but feel free to follow us if you like. You can also head to the website. It's backofthegrid.com. Contact us form if you want to send in anything, questions or talking points for those season reviews. Um, you can do it all through the website as well as the social accounts. And uh, then, of course, there's been part of the Discord, which you can find out more about by heading to our Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash back of the grid. That is it for this week. And that is it for, I guess, the 2023 season, technically speaking. Yeah. It's been a wild one. Um it feels weird again to be ending the season so late in November and early December, but it really does. That's where we're at these days. Yeah. So. But, but thank yeah, you th- all for uh, sticking with us all year. Yeah. Thanks for everyone who's been with us throughout this season. Uh, and like I say, you'll get a little bit more to see the year out, um, but we'll, uh, we'll see you for that. And then going into next year. Bye everyone. Bye everyone.